Welcome to Are You Afraid of Ghosts, the podcast that brings you everything from paranormal stuff, haunted houses, true ghost stories, urban legends, and more. My name is Jessica Atkinson, soon to be Jessica Gulliford. I get married next week, so I've been a little busy, so I apologize if I haven't put out too many episodes, but I have a lot to share with you. So, If this is the first episode you're listening to, I would love to hear your personal ghost stories. If you can send them to areyouafraidofghosts at gmail.com. And before I begin, I'd like to thank all my listeners. And obviously, if you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, let me know. I'd love to chat with you. And sponsoring my podcast will allow me to access exclusive interviews. It will allow me to travel if I want to go to a haunted location and kind of report back, maybe interview some people there. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at Are You Afraid 3, Instagram at Are You Afraid of Ghosts, and Facebook at Are You Afraid of Ghosts. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you can know when I release new episodes. I'm going to ask a huge favor of all of you. Please go to Apple iTunes and leave a five-star rating if you like this show. And please leave a review with your Twitter handle or Instagram name, and each week I will do a gift card giveaway for the best review. That way I can keep bringing this show to you and we can keep it going. So thank you so much for all that you do. Okay, so tonight's episode I am super excited about because it's such a great movie and a great story. So if you're not familiar with the movie series that starts with The Conjuring, here is the rundown and the connections to each movie. So thank you, Wikipedia, in case you need to follow this. So the franchise currently consists of two films in the main series, The Conjuring, which was in 2013, and The Conjuring 2, which was released in 2016. The installments revolve around two of the many famous paranormal cases of which the Warrens have been a part of. Um, This is with the first film depicting the case of the Perron family, or Perron family, however you want to pronounce that, who are experiencing disturbing events in their newly acquired house in Rhode Island. And the second entry focusing on the controversial case of the Enfield poltergeist while briefly referring to the events that inspired the Amityville horror, which I'm sure I'll probably cover at some point. So just a sidetrack for a minute, if you don't know who the Warrens are. So Edward and Lorraine Warren were American paranormal investigators and they were authors associated with the prominent cases of hauntings. So Edward, um, he was a World War II Navy veteran and former police officer who became a self-taught and self-professed demonologist. He was an author and a lecturer. Lorraine, his wife, um, professes to be clairvoyant and a light trance medium who worked closely with her husband. In 1952, the Warrens founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. So they authored numerous books about the paranormal and about their private investigations into various reports of paranormal activity. They claimed to have investigated over 10,000 cases during their career. The Warrens were among the very first investigators in the controversial Amityville haunting. According to the Warrens, um, 
the New England Society for Psychic Research uses a variety of individuals, including medical doctors, researchers, police officers, nurses, college students, and members of the clergy in its investigations. So, um, stories of ghost hauntings, um, they were made popular by the Warrens. So they have been indirectly inspired um, dozens of films, television series, and documentaries, including 17 films in the Amityville Horror series alone. Other adaptations include the 2013 movie The Conjuring, its prequel slash spinoff Annabelle, released in 2014, its sequel The Conjuring 2, released in 2016, and the prequel to Annabelle, which is Annabelle Creation, released in 2017, with a spinoff to The Conjuring 2, The Nun, which has recently been released in the movie theaters in 2018. So if you can follow all that, I'm going to keep going. So there were some skeptics um, that have investigated the Warren's evidence, and their names were Perry and Stephen, and they described it as Blarney. I love that word. So they... um, Skeptical investigators Joe and Ben concluded that the more famous hauntings, Amityville and the Snedeker family haunting, did not happen and had been invented. So stay tuned. Okay, the franchise, back to the franchise stuff for a second. So now you know who the Warrens are. You kind of have an idea of how they're connected with the movies. Now we're going to talk about the franchise also including Annabelle. So Annabelle... um, If you guys don't know what Annabelle is, that's a whole separate show because I'm going to do an episode on Annabelle. But just to give you an idea, it's about a really creepy doll. And guys, I don't know if you um, if you know me personally, you know that I hate dolls. I'm very creeped out by them. I have been ever since Chucky and um, my sister had a cricket doll. I don't know if you remember Cricket and Corky. They freaked me out. I used to have dreams about them talking with their tapes not in their back and they were talking on their own if you guys know what I'm talking about I mean I'm kind of old so if you don't know what I'm talking about I'm sorry but it's really creepy dolls just freak me out altogether okay so that's my side note so anything about dolls I'm totally going to do like whole you know creepy dolls story okay so Annabelle was a prequel directed by the conjuring the same guy who um John Leonetti, um, and produced by Saffron and Juan, which revealed the events of the doll of the same name before the Warrens came into contact with it at the start of the first film. So once you see the film, it'll make a whole lot more sense, but they actually connect with this doll at the end of the one movie. So it, it all kind of ties in together. They get a phone call and they end up going to this other story and it ties into this demon manipulated doll. Okay. So that's Annabelle. The Nun. The Nun is a prequel based on a character introduced into The Conjuring 2, which was just recently released. I have not seen it yet. I cannot wait. I I literally have no time, but it's still going to be exciting when I see it. But anyway, um, also there's another spinoff film of The Conjuring series, and that's titled The Crooked Man. I have not seen that, obviously, because it's in development. A third Annabelle film is in pre-production and um, they're also creating a third Conjuring film. So lots going on. So if you have not seen these movies, they are awesome. Better get caught up. Okay. 
So back to the conjuring stuff specifically. Um, so I found this awesome clip on YouTube of an interview published by a woman named Rita Scott in April 2016. She interviewed Andrea Perone, the Andrea Perone, who whose family endured the haunting at a um, at a farmhouse in Harrisville, which the movie Conjur- The Conjuring was based on. So they talk about the aftermath of the movie's release, her relationship with the current owners of the farmhouse, and her novels. So she actually wrote three books that are on Amazon, so if you want to check those out, all about her true story experiences. So I can't wait to read them. I just found out she had books. I'm just playing catch up myself. Okay, so now that you're all caught up, on the whole connect connection with everyone and everything on The Conjuring, um, I want to play some clips from their interview. So there are a lot of material on this topic. There's a lot of material on this topic. So fortunately for me, that's pretty easy to find this stuff. But I feel like this part is particularly crucial, even though it's not me narrating it. Um, I would love to just share it because this was an amazing interview. I want to give credit um, to Rita because this was really good. So Rita starts out asking her, what would you say to the people that say this is all made up for money? So even though this happened to you way before the movie was ever made. So hopefully that um, this is not too crazy of a recording that you can hear it properly. I tested it a few times and I want to make sure that you can hear it. And here goes. When you were on before, it was before The Conjuring came out. So, you know, you have so many of these horror movies to come out saying it's based on a true story and you have people saying, oh, they're making it up just to get money and all this kind of stuff. But your story happened so many years before this ever came to be made into a movie. What would you say to those people who who say that, that it's all made up just to make money? Uh, well... (laughs) Um, I don't really care what they think because I know the truth. You know, I'm not a wealthy woman. We barely made anything from, uh, uh, the conjuring. That was, uh, a work of, uh, predominantly fiction, mm-hmm. uh, fully completely Hollywood or Holly weird as I like to call them. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, my message out into the world about spirit about spirituality, about connectedness, um, is much larger than anything fiscal or financial. Um, That is, you know, yes, I sell my books only because I can't afford to give them away. If I could, I would. Uh, You know, I lecture around the country. Uh, I'm doing a a lecture via Skype in Wales uh, this summer. Uh, You know, it's And I do it for free. And I do it for free because the message is far more important than the money. They're not on the same list. They don't, they're not even relevant to each other. So, uh, yes, I feel uh, perfectly comfortable in saying that uh, I don't care what anybody thinks. Most people who have a negative opinion or attitude about our story know absolutely nothing about it at all, Um, have maybe seen the movie, have very likely not read my trilogy of books, uh, which actually chronicles the real events that occurred over the course of a decade of my family living in that home 
and the three books, uh, be, volume one begins before we even move to the house, and the <clears throat> third volume uh, ends when we've already left, and everything that happened in between. Um, it's not a horror story. The Conjuring was, I guess, for some people, horrifying, um, but maybe about 5% of that is actually true. Uh, mostly it's a depiction using our names and likenesses, but uh, is not the story um, that was uh, lived by the seven of us in my family. Um, that was much more a love story, in my opinion, much more a story of the strength of a bond uh, in a family, uh, getting through difficulties together. Um, it's a spiritual journey. It's a supernatural odyssey. Uh, yes, there are places in my books that are, are some describe as horrifying. Some people write to me and say, you know, I can't sleep with the lights off anymore, you know, and I'm so sorry yeah. about that. Uh, but uh, The Conjuring, um, well, let me give you the, the five-minute overview, Rita, okay. so that we can just uh, uh, cover all that ground. Because, yes, I did forget that uh, you had me on your show when I was just an author and not tied to a half a billion dollar movie. Um, it did get our story out in the world, uh, or elements of it anyway, uh, in ways that virtually nothing else could. Um, for that I am very grateful, I always will be. That's the upside. The downside is that I am going to be explaining to people for the rest of my natural born days that Annabelle the doll had absolutely nothing to do with our story and was uh, it was literally weaved into the, the manuscript, the, um, the screenplay, to set up the second film in a series of films, uh, the second one being Annabelle, um, and to, uh, I guess, denote that the Warrens were paranormal investigators that had done uh, investigations prior to ours, and subsequently, as the film ends, with them taking a call from what would be uh, the house in Amityville, the Amityville Horror, which uh, they um, investigated after our farmhouse. You know the. Okay, so I'm going to stop here for just a second. So just to catch you up, if you if you miss some of that, I think it's crazy that only five percent of the movie was actually true. It's very hard to believe which five percent because that movie is crazy. So once you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you have seen it, you already know what I'm talking about. How she says it's a love story, I think that's sweet. I still think it's a horrifying film, and it still freaks me out. Um, but I would like to read her books and kind of get the, um, the idea of what her true stories were. So let's hear a little bit more from what she has to say for um, her kind of a rundown of what, what actually happened. The way I look at this, Andrea, this is back in the 70s. You're a family. There's paranormal activity in your house. You bring in two paranormal investigators to help you. You're not to know that Hollywood is going to come knocking 30 years later to make a movie on this. You know? No, of course not. No, you know, there were hundreds of people, perhaps thousands of people in our hometown when we lived there who knew exactly what was going on at the farm. Um, and, you know, subsequently, some of them embraced us and some of them shunned us. Uh, some of them hurled accusations at us. Uh, it's no different now. I mean, Rita, I just had to get to a point in my life 
where I didn't care what other people thought anymore. The message was far more important yeah. uh, than the messenger. And, um, and that had to be true and had to hold true for every single member of my family. You know, we all reached an age where we realized, as my mother once said, um, this is far too important to uh, a story to take to the grave, that it's, if you experience something like this, it's incumbent upon you to share it with others and let them know that spirit does exist and that that can be a very hopeful concept. Mm-hmm. That can be a, a very um, a peaceful feeling to know that we do go on, that we're, it's not just ashes to ashes, dust yeah. to dust in terms of our spirit. That only pertains to the vessel. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I am showered with criticism on a day-to-day basis, and uh, and I don't listen to it. I completely ignore it. Um, see, the thing is, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, those who don't get it, mm-hmm. really, I can't afford for them to matter until they do. Those that do get it come to me in droves. And, and I'm going to stop there for one more second. So if you've been thinking, well, no one will ever believe my ghost story, we will totally believe your ghost story because there are people listening right now that have had paranormal experiences. And this is just proving that even when you have a famous paranormal activity scenario, that you still don't care what anybody thinks because it happened and you were there and you're the only one that can speak to it. And she wrote books about it. So if you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't really know if my story is going to um, be believable. Um, It doesn't have to be a story that's believable. It just has to be something that really happened. And you know that if you were freaked out by something, it probably really happened. So that's what the whole point of this podcast is. So kudos to her for being, you know, standing up for her book and her, you know, um, her family and what they went through. And it sounds like she's a tough lady that doesn't really care what anybody thinks. So I love that about her. I'm going to fast forward a little bit so that way we can see a little bit more because this is about a 38 minute interview. So I don't want to kill you with that. But so hang tight. I will get you some awesome clips. So this is where she talks about whether or not some of the pieces were true or fabricated. So much that was fabricated. There was so much hyperbole. There was so much that was exaggerated beyond belief. And yet there were many, many elements of our story that were touched upon in very subtle ways. Uh, The Warrens did not move in with us. My mother never sought them out. Uh, They were brought to us by someone else. Um, You know, it goes on and on. I mean, literally, I could spend an hour telling you, but I will tell you uh, in the overview that they did get it right. Good conquers evil, love conquers fear, and the Perrin family endured an extreme haunting that they all survived. Now, the movie represents all of those points well, but the thing that upsets me the most is that because of what Mrs. Warren had uh, written in her notes, which is what the film is actually based on, the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren, she blamed Bathsheba Sherman Mm -hmm. for everything negative that happened in our home. And that simply was not the case, the spirit that um, was in uh, an oppositional force to my mother in the household, the woman who perceived herself to be mistress of the house long after her demise 
was the one that was attacking my mother and making things so difficult for her. And she died well before Bathsheba Sherman was born. So they got that really wrong. They got the exorcism really wrong. They got a lot of things really wrong, but they also got some things right. And they did it. Um, they, they did it because in this particular case, the truth was stranger than fiction. And they were afraid to tell the whole real story and run people out of the theater. And that's the truth. Well, then, of course, because Bathsheba was the blame for everything in the movie, didn't people go and vandalize the headstone? Yes, someone did. And I made a video right after it happened. I was so angry. I was so aggravated. And I said something akin to, um, you know, I don't know who you are, but she does, and woe be unto you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, some idiot teenager, some lunatic fringe, who knows, that decided that, uh, you know, her, her headstone that had been standing there since 1885 deserved to be um, crumbled. Uh, absolutely uh, despicable act. Uh, a savage act of uh, desecration, yeah. and uh, to this day, I'm I'm so still filled with disgust. So, what she's talking about, um, if you have or have not seen the movie, you may re be re she's referring to the ghost, uh, the main ghost that haunts in the movie. So, um, basically, she's saying in real life, someone went and actually ruined the headstone of this ghost and she's disgusted by it because she's saying that it was really just one ghost that you know antagonized her mother so if you haven't seen the movie yet you'll see what we're talking about um so let's hear a little bit more it even happened uh now the very fine people of harrisville rhode island keep a very close eye on that graveyard um bathsheba is buried there her husband judson is buried beside her and uh, her four children are buried around her the three youngest all who perished before the age of four um, are buried right beside her and the only son that survived her um, Herbert is buried just adjacent to her um, yeah it, it, she was accused in some circles of being a witch and that's what they latched on to for the conjuring uh, you know in, in volume three of my series uh, I write extensively about that and how, you know, there's no, there's no evidence anywhere that Bathsheba Sherman was a practicing witch. It was, she was the victim of rumor and innuendo. And I don't know for certain what she did or did not do in her life, but I know that she is, is haunted. She is haunted by that black cloud that, that hung over her in life and followed her into death. And it could all be based on nothing but a series of rumors and vicious innuendo about her. Now, the story that I tell in the book about her comes from the town historian who was a very old man when we met him uh, right after we moved to the farm. And he's the one that told my mother the story of Bathsheba Sherman and what she was accused of, etc. Um, and I included that in the book, but I likewise treated it very fairly and with a very even hand in terms of delving deeply into the hauntings that occurred in the house or the, the spiritual activity 
in the house. Um, and there were many of them. She was certainly not the only one. She never even lived in the house. She um, supposedly had some uh, connection to it in that she was uh, taking care of an infant uh, in that house when the baby died and was subsequently um, uh, accused of causing the baby harm. There was an inquest. She was absolved. Uh, it never went to a trial. Um, she answered all of the questions to the satisfaction of the judge, and it was dismissed. But in the court of uh, public uh, approval, discretion, uh, opinion, uh, in the court of the public, she was tried and convicted and lived a miserable life being uh, referred to as uh a witch who had sold her soul to the devil with the sacrifice of an infant for uh, an exchange for eternal youth and beauty. Um, she died an old woman in 1885. She was born in 1812. This was a real person who was depicted in that film. And my heart broke when I saw how she was treated, when in fact the offending spirit in that house was not her at all. And it's mad to think how serious people took that story that they would go and do something like that. Yeah, or trespass on the property uh, with the current owners having to, you know, post it with all kinds of, you know, no trespassing. That property is easy to get onto. Very, I'm very sad to say. If I were speaking and giving an interview in the United States, I wouldn't even say that. I know that you have your listeners in the UK are not going to fly over to Rhode Island and see how quick and easy they can get onto that property. Um, you know, but the fact of the matter is it's very exposed and um, there was it was infiltrated uh, around the you know prior actually beginning when when the movie the first movie trailer came out in the United States is when it began. Um, and, you know, they've had a series of problems up there. I don't think as much as is claimed, but I do, you know, because I've seen the police records. I, I know from the reports that uh, the visits have been relatively few and far between. However, that does not mean that people are not trespassing uh, on that property or imposing themselves on that property. So that's pretty interesting because I didn't realize how exposed it was. And it sounds like you could totally just visit that place. I don't know if I'd want to visit it, but um, hey, you never know. So just to back up a little bit, um, I was reading on USA Today before we get back to her interview. Um, on USA Today, they were talking about how Andrea, the one that's speaking on the in the um, audio. So she is actually um, tying in, you know, some obvious questions and she said that she can explain some. So on top of the interview that she gave, uh, these were just some questions I thought were pretty interesting. So one of the questions was, why didn't the family just leave the haunted house? Rather than the relatively short, intense haunting depicted in The Conjuring, she says her family lived in the 14-room farmhouse from January 1971 until 1980. While many spirits in the house were harmless, some like the one and it's Bathsheba, um, she was angry. Whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself to be the mistress of the house and she resented the competition my mother posed for that position. So we heard a little bit of that in her um, recording. So when asked why the family endured the, the spirit invaders, 
um, who stunk of rotting flesh and would arrive at 515 most mornings to lift beds. Um, she says, I hear that question most every day. I think we were supposed to have this experience and share it with the world. So why did they go into the cellar? Um, so if, again, you kind of have to know the backstory a little bit, but, um, she said the family stayed away from the dirt floored cellar, which was a spirit hotspot, except when this, when the house's heating equipment would fail, forcing Roger to make repairs, he would go downstairs and feel this cold stinking presence beside him. That's creepy. So did the exorcism attempted in the film really take place? So the Warrens um, made frequent trips to the house in 1974 to investigate, but Lorraine insists she and her husband would never try an exorcism, which must be performed by a Catholic priest. However, a seance allegedly caused Carolyn um, to be temporarily possessed, which Andrea claims she secretly watched. I thought I was going to pass out, Andrea says. My mother began to speak a language not of this world in a voice not her own. Her chair levitated and she was thrown across the room. So she's never surprised when people don't believe their tale. But she said, both my mother and I would just as soon swallow our tongue than tell a lie. People are free to believe whatever they want to believe. But I know what we experienced. So now to jump over a little bit about the movie. Um... These are unexplainable things that happened on the set of The Conjuring. So this is actually on a website called grunge.com. So more often than not, horror film sets are no weirder or plagued by incident than their lighter fared counterparts. Typically, they're just like every other set. So um, people kind of just get tired and want to go home like six hours ago. So in the case of The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2, however, the scares didn't necessarily stop when the cameras did. Although... Neither movie reached poltergeist or exorcist levels of hysteria. Nobody was killed, thankfully. Each boasted its own weird, unexplained incidents. Mysterious bruising. Taken from the real case files of legendary paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, they, The Conjuring in 2013, it takes place um, in their quiet home life, disturbed by malevolent spirits who take per particular pleasure in taunting their young children. It seems like the disruption may not have ended there. However, as lead actor Patrick Wilson, who portrays real-life demon hunter Ed Warren in both the movie and its 2016 sequel, recounted how one of the child's actors on The Conjuring got mysteriously injured on set. Joey King, who played Christine, ended up covered in strange bruises all over her body after just a couple of weeks of shooting. Wilson explained to the UK's The Independent newspaper that King hadn't been doing any stunts. Child actors don't usually do stunts, to be clear, nor had anything hit her over the course of filming. They just kind of showed up. Although the marks subs subsequently disappeared, Wilson still felt weird about using the anecdote during press for the movie, even though he admitted it totally fit the bill. Wilson also confirmed over the course of the chat that his own home is haunted, noting, I've heard people on two different occasions say that they've heard kids' laughter in the middle of the night in my house, and that used to freak my wife out. But that's another story entirely. Possessed drapes. So The Conjuring scared up over $300 million worldwide, meaning the mastermind behind it, Juan, 
um, would be seen as the biggest target should any demonic forces feel they were being unfairly portrayed on screen. Juan has noted that he, t he would be too busy directing to even notice a spirit standing next to him. However, Wilson, whose underlying interest in the paranormal seems to have grown um, while shooting the films, so did show, a, did show him a video while on the set of The Conjuring 2 of a curtain supposedly moving by itself. At the end of the soundstage, there were these huge curtain drapes. They started swaying on their own. They just kept moving. None of the doors were opened. The air conditioning was switched off. They just moved on their own. So, considering his lead actor supposedly caught the whole thing on camera, it begs the question, where the hell is that film and when can we judge it for ourselves? The Demonic Hour. So the guys and kids weren't the only ones targeted by vengeful spirits. Reportedly, lead actress Vera Farmiga, Farmiga also experienced some odd happenings over the course of filming. In an interview with Colander, Juan discussed how the actress confided in him that she had been waking up between 3 and 4 a.m. every morning from the moment they started working on The Conjuring. This date, time of day or night is commonly known as the demonic hour and has been a significant focal point of movies, including The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Even weirder, The Conjuring itself features a witch who died during that specific time frame, something that Farmiga brought to Juan's attention after confiding in him. The actress continued to have trouble sleeping afterwards. Take from that what you will. Computer Virus so Vera can't catch a break. So Cinema Blend's Eric Eisenberg rec recounted how, during a roundtable discussion for The Conjuring, that Farmiga also divulged a rather spooky discovery of three digital claw marks on her computer screen. The weird part is the marks appeared immediately after she'd finished speaking to director James Wan about playing the role of Lorraine Warren, and about her desire to have Patrick Wilson acting opposite her. This makes us wonder, is somebody in the afterlife mad at her? Or was Wilson? Clawing their way back. So once again, poor Vera has spooky issues on set. She later revealed that quite literally, the day after she completed her work on The Conjuring, she woke up with three claw mark bruises across her thigh. For those taking notes throughout this article, where once the claw marks were on her screen, now they're on her body. Although the actress noted they weren't painful, silencing those who sought to suggest she might be under some kind of paranormal attack and were more like little bruises, the, facts, the fact the marks looked as though they'd been made by long fingernails was what really freaked her out. Apparently, she even texted Juan about it. But much like her connection between the witch in the story and her own real-life sleep disruption, he wasn't too impressed, at least not enough for her to register his response. Seen one ghost attack, seen them all. Waterworks. I love this stuff, guys. Sorry. Um, but this, I know this is a little longer than normal, but I just, I'm, I'm obsessed with this series. So, strangely, the spooky stuff didn't affect only those directly involved in the movie. Screenwriters Carrie and Chad Hayes recounted in a chat with Colander that Carrie's wife had experienced something weird while he was away on set, too, with Carrie noting that when things happen, it's usually to a wife or a woman at home 
whose husband is gone. She experiences more. So in this particular case, she noticed a weird water formation that appeared on the floor out of nowhere. Considering it was cement on an open floor plan, the spill was blamed on the family dog. But the poor pooch was let off the hook once the spills started showing up again and again in the same exact spot after being meticulously cleaned up. After going to Lorraine Warren herself for professional advice, Carrie deduced it was a, a water poltergeist feeding off of teenage angst from one of his kids who Hayes and his wife confirmed was going through a turbulent time. The writer remains remarkably calm about the incident, noting that nothing weird has ever happened to him personally. But you have to have a, a pretty good faith in protecting yourself, because when you write about stuff like this, it can be somewhat of a beacon. And this is why we only write about horror movies instead of actually writing them. Falling in Reverse When the real-life um, Perrin family... I pronounced that incorrectly before. It's not Perone, it's Perrin. Family came to visit the set of The Conjuring. They were already on edge at, at how realistic everything was. With Cindy, the second eldest, now a grown woman, but a child at the time of the haunting, physically moving away after coming face to face with the witch. But it didn't end there. During a set visit with Shock Till You Drop, screenwriter Chad Hayes recalled how, in the style of an actual horror movie, one of the other parent children told him straight out, something really bad is going to happen out here today. Worryingly, their mother Carolyn subsequently fell and broke her hip. She was the only one who didn't make it to set that day, which might mean it's better to face your demons head on rather than have them seek you out via creepy child premonition. Moving parts. So the Warren's infamous artifact room, which turns out to be so popular with fans, it spurned a spinoff in the form of the 2014's Annabelle, which, again, we, we talked about before. Um, so this is a room where the paranormal investigators keep all their spookiest souvenirs. This is pretty cool, actually, um, when, you, when you see the movie. So um, during the same visit, producer Rob Cowan detailed how on the purpose built set of the Warren's infamous room, there's one particular piece of their history that just wouldn't stay still. A wooden pig supposedly kept moving around the room. It would be there and they'd come back and it would have moved over to there. Cowan explained, could the little guy possibly land his own Annabelle style spinoff? Ooh, that'd be interesting. Paranormal construction. So in keeping with with being the less scary of the two films, The Conjuring 2 only really had a couple of low mileage spooky incidents to speak of, which were discussed in detail in a set visit report conducted by Shock. First off, the set was blessed by a priest prior to, taking sh prior to shooting taking place. It's seriously haunted, at least according to Warner Brothers security guard Johnny Matuck, who doubles as a real life ghost hunter. But that didn't stop drilling and hammering underneath the stage when there was no one working. Construction ghosts, perhaps? Do we need to call the Scooby-Doo crew for this one? It's so cute, guys. Okay. Um, one last piece. Ghostly images. So it was also revealed during the shock set report that Lee Wannell, Juan's longtime friend and filmmaking buddy, had a strange incident while visiting the set himself. 
According to reports, a load of Insidious photos, Insidious is a whole separate ballgame, guys, that movie's freaky, um, which Wanell had shot during his production on the movie, mysteriously showed up on his iPad while he was visiting his buddy. However, they were not saved on his PC or his iPad, and he couldn't get rid of them either. Unsurprisingly, really, if the set really is as haunted as claimed, just to be on the safe side, maybe instead of The Conjuring 3, just direct a Care Bears movie instead. <laughs> I love that article. Um, Conjuring. The Conjuring, Annabelle, the, oh my gosh, Insidious. All those movies are so crazy good. So hopefully this was informative. If you've seen those movies and didn't really know the backstory, hopefully the audio wasn't too shaky um, for you to be able to hear the awesome interview. Um, I did the best I could. So hopefully you enjoy this and I hope I didn't scare you too much. So good night.